the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. There's some news out there today. U.S. is grounding Boeing 737 MAX planes, citing links between two fatal crashes. This isn't the first time this has hit a company like a Boeing. You might remember that they had the 787 Dreamliner that had to be pulled out of service because of its lithium-ion battery malfunctions. The whole world said, we, these planes don't look safe, the 787, uh, 737 MAXs, which is a really old you know, line of planes that have, you know, you just continue to put pig, uh, uh, lipstick on that pig and make it, you know, a fancier pig, so to speak. But it's an old plane, the 737. I don't know enough about the maneuvering characteristics, the augmentation systems. I don't know enough. All I can tell you is that we've seen airlines, sh- you know, shut down Boeing before, the 787 Dreamliner. Three months later, the planes are flying again. Um, that's worthy of note if you take a look at the long term on a Boeing. They've been able to do well in spite of things like 9-11. I remember after 9-11, I got a call. I went on the air that day. I did five hours of radio. And the next day, I was back on my national show. I was canceled. The, I was postponed or I, I was off on 9-11 in the evening. But in the morning, I was on the air and kind of doing play-by-play. Um, I lived and worked about two miles from the Pentagon. And it was surprising to hear that in clarity of a plane hitting a building. It's a pretty scary sound. It's a unnerving sound. So anyway, out there, we got a lot going on. The Boeing 737 MAX is grounded. Um, how much is this going to cost? It's going to be a big investigation. It's difficult to put up any hard numbers at this point in time. While a number of countries grounded the planes after the second 737 MAX deadly airplane crash in Ethiopia, which... I did some work on, and, you know, I think it's pretty easy to say, well, planes crash all the time in these poor countries. Ethiopia's got a great airline system, so can't blame it on that. Southwest in the United States, ticker symbol love, has the most exposure to the aircraft. And Southwest has actually been kind of good in saying, uh, we could, uh, we'll refund your, you, you don't have to fly in that plane if you don't want to. Now, who are some of the winners here? Hawaiian Airlines and Alaska Airlines. Hawaiian has no exposure to the aircraft, and Alaska has very little. Southwest long-awaited entry into the Hawaiian market finally got the go-ahead. If travelers want to avoid Southwest 737 MAX fleet, Hawaiian and Alaska are the two obvious alternatives to fly to paradise. Boy, it's not really working out the timing, huh? Boeing, for their part, said the government shutdown delayed by about five weeks at least. The software update that may be at the root of this. But again, it just goes to show you, like, this is an interesting world that we live in. And... This will affect Boeing, but to what level? There's the expense of implementing the software upgrade, the delay in deliveries and payments for aircraft that are being built, and there's the potential it may owe airlines and leasing companies 
service disruption compensation. There's also maybe some lawsuits that will come down the road from countries who say you have to make right for uh, for our citizens dying on your unsafe vehicles. Regulators in the U.S. still have to approve the software patch, which the company has been working on since the Lion Air crash five months ago. So I think that's kind of like the big sexy story of the day. New home sales fell more than expected. The housing market is in a little bit of flux. You remember the stock market in December? It wasn't very fun. It wasn't very pretty. And a lot of people think, or the conventional wisdom on Wall Street is that it's a discounting mechanism and that it sees something six months from now being less than fun. And that's why it went down. Now, it recovered a lot of it, but not all of it. Thus, again, still telling us maybe something is happening six months down the road. Maybe a little bit more of a slowdown. Maybe some earnings cuts or something. But if you believe money is smart, and I do, you just have to see the bond market smart in real time. The stock market looks six months into the future. And it's not always going to be right. You know who I hate? Kevin O'Leary. I know you're saying you have a lot of hate in your body. And if you really think I hate Kevin O'Leary, you're crazy. Um, but he gets on CNBC and uh, he did this little Shark Tank show. Sure, I get it. His advice to me is a little bit on the wonky side. So be cautious. Uh, be weary of of fake idols, right? Isn't that somewhere in the Bible? I think it is. I, I'm not a Bible scholar. Maybe that's what I'll do later in life. Become a scholar. So um, not a big fan of Kevin O'Leary. Owning homes is expensive. And one piece of advice that I would really throw out to you is... Have six months of mortgage payments in an emergency fund. Have something so that, you know, you don't get in over your head. If you buy a vacation home, you may go, oh, okay, I could afford the payment. But then you forget, like, the insurance. Then you forget the furniture. Then you forget the, you know, the maintenance. Uh, so my, my advice is always have a good six-month emergency fund, especially if you have mortgages. And also my advice is, you know, Try to spend as little as you can. You want to spend maybe 33% or less of your salary on your mortgages. Not a big fan of Kevin O'Leary because I think he's uh, confuses people. I'm not a big fan of David Ramsey because I think he's too simple. And um, I think he's got some programs that he sells that are harmful to consumers versus helpful. Now, again, the information's helpful, but the cost is harmful. So that college story this week, huh? Everyone was talking about that yesterday. Um, and I don't know how much I know about that. You know, I think there was a lot of conversation about college degrees and are they worth it, but there's also a lot of, you know, talk about uh, celebrities being by their way and, and again, the rich get richer, right? So one area that I encourage my kids to do is uh, look at business models and potentially like be a, uh, a tutor, so babysitter, dog walker, so always looking around, so to speak. So the top stories of the day, uh, Roku got an interesting um, upgrade. I want to talk about that ever so slightly. Um a lot of people, the stock was up 160% in the last 18 months, and I talked about it, and I wanted you to look into it, because I like the Roku players, and I like the business model that they have. Um, last week, I was away from my home, so I was using my Roku player, and they have a Roku channel where they're showing Caddyshack the movie and uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, and you have to watch commercials in it, and they, they split the money, the commercials with you know, the content maker. And I was like, this ain't bad. So, uh, so we're seeing on that. California has awarded $29 million to a woman with cancer related to Johnson Johnson's talk powder. Johnson Johnson in the news. Walmart is managing issues with food delivery service. Walmart plans to introduce a low-priced tablet computer. Um, will it be a Samsung? Will it be an Apple? We'll find out. Um, U.S. wants to lower Iran oil exports to 1 million barrels per day. Still stressed there. Big seminar coming up in Burlingame. 
seven days from now. Sign up at Rob Black Show. Use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Hello, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. I own some real estate in California, um, outside of California. And one of the things I try to do is, you know, show you that. I like both stocks and real estate. I don't like trading cards. I'm not a big fan of cash because it tends to underperform inflation, although last year cash was a winner. Who would have known that one, right? So there's a lot going on, in my opinion, on uh, the whole California housing market. A good friend of mine last night at dinner said, hey, me and my family are leaving. We're checking out. We're cashing in. We're taking our chips off the table. Like, you may want to give it one year. And he goes, why would I want to give it one year? We're at all-time highs. And I said, well, there's going to be a lot of IPOs this year. A lot of IPOs, including Slack and probably Uber and maybe Lyft and Airbnb. Could be. Depends on the health of the overall market and getting these companies out there. When you're trying to raise billions of dollars, you're, you're looking for new investors. You're looking for people who may sell Apple to buy Lyft. They may sell Microsoft and Google to buy Uber. You have to you know, play these right as far as balancing goes. But Lyft disclosed its IPO document, and inside Lyft's IPO document, oh, and by the way, I think all these IPOs create little multimillionaires, and all these little multimillionaires go out and buy property. I think there's one more push in real estate. And then, I have no problem with someone cashing out now. I have no problem with someone cashing out in about two years, but then I, I, it's going to be tougher to find a catalyst. So we've gone through a lot of Chinese buying homes in America for cash. We've gone through... You know, the Facebook, what I would call .com 2.0, .com 1.0, with the companies like Yahoo and Excite, and all these companies made little millionaires, and they went out and bought real estate and talked about how smart they were uh, when a lot of financial success was lining up in the, in the general area more so than the home that you bought. So Lyft generates about the same average revenue for each car ride as it does from each rented bicycle or scooter. This was fascinating reading their uh, IPO paperwork. Their financials show that its average expense for each ride has gone up. So the cost of doing business is uh, impeding more cash on their balance sheet. Page 80 of the IPO filing says there's currently no material difference between the revenue per ride from cars versus bicycles and scooters. Who would have known? Company's average revenue per ride was $3.75 in the fourth quarter. And you think about that, people don't pay much to rent a scooter for a mile or two, but you don't hire a driver to drive you on a scooter. Although I may patent that idea. That's right. That's right. I'm going to come up with a limousine scooter service. I know. I know you're saying genius, Rob. Genius. So Lyft's economics from scooter and bike rentals is good news. But the car business is bad news. Think about all the money and effort Lyft puts into dangling incentives in front of drivers, trying to get them to go to certain areas at certain times of the day, trying to get new recruits, trying to tune algorithms to better match supply and demand. So driver support, they're all trying to do it with their operation centers. They're setting up car leasing programs, they're getting some legal disputes involved. So company ends up about the same amount of money when a person rents over $4 to rent a scooter for 15 minutes, which requires far less company resources. So you can see why the scooternomics is working. It's going to be an interesting IPO. Lyft doesn't break out costs quite effectively. It discloses enough to calculate at this point company spent about $4.31 per ride on insurance, processing credit card payments, customer support staff, 
investments in driverless cars, advertising, other expenses. They're showing us their costs, and it's about $4.31 per ride. Um, when companies like uh, clothing companies, like a Banana Republic, when they slash prices 30 to 40%, sometimes it's a good thing and sometimes it's a bad thing. Maybe it's winter clothing, and it's uh, sitting here in March, and it's suddenly 58, 60 degrees, and who wants a sweater at this point in time? So you have to start looking at discounting and, and marketing costs. And you know companies like Lyft and Uber are just doing tons of marketing. The company's growing fast. question is on Lyft is, will investors say, I want this one, or do they want Uber, or do they want both? Lyft and Uber are aiming for big old fat valuations. Um, so we need to look at their revenue, cost of economics. And aren't you a little surprised that they make the same amount of money on a scooter as they do on a drive? For the record, I've never rented a scooter. I should throw that out there. Uh, I know. I know. A couple friends of mine work in emergency rooms, and uh, they're saying the scooter accidents is, like, the big thing now. With kids, it's trampolines. With adults, it's, it's scooter accidents, which that does not sound like fun to me. Exactly. Thank you very much. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, taking a look at some of the other data out there today. U.S. single-family home sales fell. Doing my own sound effects. Um, Single-family homes fell more than expected in January, suggesting the housing market weakness is persisting. Um, New home sales are drawn from permits and tend to be volatile on a month-to-month basis. Affordability remains a challenge, especially at the lower end of the market. Even as mortgage rates have dropped, it's worthy of note. You got expensive lumber out there. You got land and labor shortages. Wow. I had a roofing issue out of state, and uh, they're so busy. A roofing company got back to me and said, We could put you on for 2020. And if someone cancels before then, I'll let you know. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm just going to sit here for a year and a half and let the rain come into my home. Thank you. So there's some signs of weaknesses out there. Signs of weakness, not weaknesses. Wow, sometimes I I talk out loud and I go, where did I get that from? Weaknesses. Disney's takeover of Fox is in its final stages. That's out there. Apple's going to do something with media and subscription services. We're thinking movie services. And we're also thinking um, some sort of like uh, magazine services. So a lot of people are starting to get excited I don't want you to get excited, but a lot of people are starting to get excited uh, about this movie thing that everyone's going to be dealing with. Disney Plus, maybe Apple will have a subscription service. How will it be different? What's it going to look like? Will it underperform? A lot of analysts are upgrading. Big seminar coming up in Berlin game. Sign up at Rob Black Show. Use code RADIO25 to get in for free. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. I don't get a lot of calls anymore. I think that's kind of dying in radio, the call-in show. It's kind of sad because back when I used to do Stock Talk... I'd get 20 calls an hour, and it was just fun. Buy, sell, or hold. What do you think about Lyft's new coming up IPO? I'm like, not that excited. I'd rather buy a scooter company. If the same costs are going to be tied towards, the same profits are going to be tied towards the number of scooters rented versus the number of cars picked up. I'd rather have a leaner company than a fat company. Spotify is filing an antitrust complaint over Apple. This is going to be interesting if it gets any traction. Take a look at what happened to Microsoft in the 1990s when... They're like, well, we're just going to see this little company called Netscape who's doing this internet browser thing, and 
wow, look at the success they're having. Maybe we'll just build one ourselves and call it Microsoft Edge or the Internet Explorer. And we'll build it right into our operating system. And people won't even need Netscape. <laughs> and sure enough, they got the antitrust people a little bit into a tizzy. Then you get into the whole thing with Outlook and how much of a racket that was and paying for the software and Microsoft Office. They've done a good job turning around their image and getting people to subscribe. Remember, that's one of the big investment themes that we talk about on the show. Subscriptions. And I have Outlook Online or Office 365, whatever you want to call it. And I have to pay it every month or I lose it. Every year or I lose it. Got a big seminar coming up in Burlingame with CFP Chad Burton. That's going to be on the 21st, 630 to It's a Thursday evening. Come spend time with me, Rob Black. You can sign up for the event at Rob Black Show. Use code RADIO25 to get it free. If you've never been to an event, it's in Burlingame. Let's talk to Chad Burton right now about some of the concepts that he sees out there in the world of investing. Chad? This is the case for emerging market stocks in the next three to five years, if not even sooner, especially since 2018 was so rough on emerging market stocks. The reason why is because the dollar was rallying a lot. And that's a really tough scenario for emerging market stocks because money flows out of those countries into the US dollar to protect it, right? If you're in a country where your currency is falling, you want to get your money out of that country into the US dollar to protect it. And so that can be really rough on emerging market stocks, which is what happened. But a lot of people are calling for a turnaround in that situation because the dollar is stalling out. Now, I guess it depends on against what you're comparing the dollar to, but a lot of it has to do with debt issues. Jeffrey Gunlock, who is now the bond king, especially with the awkward retirement of Bill Gross, um, you know, uh, I'll get into that later, but the... He, he was talking about, um, he kind of put out this report, this, I think, I guess it was a video. I was reading the transcript of it, but he's talking about the U.S. interest expenses. Um, the U.S. interest expense is projected by the Congressional Budget Office, and it's projected to explode higher starting yesterday, he said. He's referring to CBO projections. That's the Congressional Budget Office, the CBO. That interest costs will grow from representing about 1.25% of the gross domestic product in 2015 to 3% in 2030. Plus, the budget deficit itself could grow to 11 to 13% of GDP, and that's starting to get more attention. And then he turned to President Donald Trump, whose election that he predicted, and when he said that, I was like, um, mm, I don't think that's going to happen, but it did. It's really shocking that the president ran on the promise of eliminating the national debt, and here it is at $22 trillion and going higher by about $1.5 trillion a year in a growing economy. Gunlock also highlighted the growth in the trade deficit over the past two years from $500 billion to $600 billion. He said Donald Trump is a $100 billion man, um, and that's the case. You know, I have told you guys for a while, sometimes I'll say things and I get emails that people think... I hate Trump. And then sometimes I get emails of people think that I love Trump. What I like is fiscal responsibility. I was for some of the things that were going to happen, like a tax simplification situation. If you go into retirement and you look at taxes, you have wacky, wacky situations. You have capital gains brackets, you have income brackets, you have social security taxes, which determine if you take one half of your social security plus all your other income plus half of your or half of your Social Security plus all your other income, including tax-free bonds, if that money's over a certain amount, then 
then 50% of your social security is taxable. Then it's over another certain amount. 85% of your social security is taxable. Then if you have certain income, your Medicare Part B starts to go up. I mean, there's so much crazy garbage in the tax code. It's its own industry in itself, and it and that creates uncertainty. And then all Congress did as a tax cut is number one, cut taxes, which we really didn't need. We needed simplification so that businesses could go out with certainty and grow and prosper, prosper and hire versus a temporary boost to the economy. And now we're starting to see things like these budget deficits. And it's, a, it's an issue and it's concerning. And it's not sustainable. If you just look at the math behind it, it's not sustainable. Now, again, like I've said before, I'm not worried about, you know, if you're 50 or older and thinking about Social Security, I'm not worried about it for you. If anything happens in your lifetime, we've already seen the, the, <laughs> the government has the ability to print money. Our debt to GDP ratio is still way behind that of, uh, say, Japan. But I am worried for my kids and my grandkids. What we do when it comes to Social Security for people um, that we're doing financial plans for. So we have several different certified financial planners, but we have different assumptions that we all use and agree on. So when it comes to Social Security, when people are under 40 years old, we do not project any Social Security benefits at all. None. None at all. We want people to be able to retire without it because if it's there, it'll be replaced by higher taxes. It's just not sustainable the way it is over that length of time. Then if people are kind of between 41 to 47 years old, we might assume that they get age 62 benefits because you can start Social Security as early as age 62, but we assume that they won't get that number. So when you get your Social Security statement, you see two, a couple of different numbers on it. If you start Social Security at 62, if you start it at your full retirement age, which for most people is is now considered to be 67, or you can wait until you're 70. So what we do is we take the age 62 number, we start those benefits at age 68 and assume zero cost of living adjustments. If you're born between, if you're age 48 to 55, we'll take that number at 62, we'll start it at 68 and assume a 1% cost of living adjustment. If you're over 56, then we'll kind of start to use normal numbers with a really low cost of living adjustment, if anything at all. And part of it has to do with the debt that we have. Now, our demographics, like I've said before, are much better than Japan. We have um, a millennial population that is larger, supposedly, than the baby boomer population. So that's support. That's people coming into the workforce. Within 10 years, they're going to be at the higher end of their earnings. It's going to be supporting Social Security and people are going to be okay. That's why we use those assumptions. Um, but, and personally, I don't use it at all. And, you know, and we run scenarios all the time, like what if Social Security goes away? So I'm going to talk about Social Security in the next segment because... That's CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton, he'll be at the big event next Thursday. Wow. Is that seven days from now? That's seven days from now. You can sign up at Rob Black Show. Use the code RADIO25 or you can go to newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Sign up there, use the code RADIO25, and um, get some good downloadables while you're there. Apple is throwing around their money right now, acquiring little companies here and little companies there. Nothing that ever really makes headline news. But again, it shows you they're going after machine learning. They're trying to boost their artificial intelligence group. Um, Not a big acquisition, but a company called LaserLike was bought recently. And... um, it shows you, A, that Apple's got money, and B, that sometimes they buy a research and development. So the Siri team 
at Apple has been a bit of a mess, to say the least, when compared to Google's assistant and Amazon's assistant. So Siri's been fraught with political infighting and leadership issues. So trying to acquire a handful of companies used for improving Siri makes a little bit of sense if you believe in the voice assistant and doing things like looking at your web pages to figure out what web page to recommend to you. Look at your shopping to maybe recommend what shopping you're looking into. Laser like could help Siri learn more about its users' habits and make the voice assistant more personalized. So that's out there today. I don't think that's that big of a story, but um, Apple got a really nice upgrade from Cowan today, saying it's $220 stock. They think service businesses is an investable long-term theme. Uh, they see good earnings per share growth. They see good demand levels on replacement phones. Product launch catalyst out there. Capital returns, sharing some of their money with their investors. And that all helps give them a, a positive profile. $220, Cowan, really long research report this morning that came out. And uh, I just boiled it down there for you as fast as I could. <laughs> Hope that worked for you. Big conference coming up March 20, March 19. Uh, March 25th, it's an Apple special event where they're going to probably launch some sort of new product, whether it be a magazine, book subscription kind of thing, and or movie kind of thing. We'll find out. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. What a strange world we live in. We're eventually going to hurl into the sun and everything will be gone, and yet... We work as hard as we can to make a little bit of money so that we can retire nicely before we die. You see crazy stories about humic trafficking. You see horrible stories out there on a regular basis about what evil things people do to small children. It upsets me what people do to animals. It upsets me, and yet I'll eat a steak. Speaking of eating steaks, vigilantes have killed 44 people. Authorities are cracking down on cattle trading in illegal slaughterhouses in India. Trying to protect India's sacred cows is dividing voters. I know you're saying in the United States, we're, we're, we're dividing voters maybe sometimes between uh, um, the haves and the have-nots. Maybe sometimes you're looking at you know cultural issues, uh, police officers, you know. Using a little bit too much force more often than not makes into the media. But in a country with 1.3 billion people, that is almost 80% Hindu, it's the home to the world's third largest Muslim population. Cow vigilantes have killed at least 44 people. I know you're saying, is a cow vigilante exactly what I think it is? It is. The cows aren't going to get up and pick up a gun and kill people who kill their, their kind. So people will do it for them. The difficulty of selling cows for slaughter has angered some dairy farmers who relied on the sales for extra income and disrupted the companies, uh, the country's leather and meat industries. So sacred cows and a voting issue. And you're talking about big, big dollars, right? You got to admit, it's kind of fun being in the financial media world, in my world, in my opinion. So other big stories out there of note. Esports are growing in popularity. Advertisers are coming to play. You tend to go to where the action is, and part of where the action is is in video games. I've got a producer now who's a millennial. The last one was a baby boomer. No, he was Generation X, maybe. I've had a baby boomer in there, and I'm always interested in like what people do and what people think. And I always talk to my friends and try to get you know, some of the coveted information out there. But video gaming has blossomed into a multi-billion dollar industry. And... Esports digital ad revenue will pass 200 million this year, maybe next year. 
And then you get media rights, ticket sales, merchandising, corporate sponsors. Could increase 25% to $178 million this year. Another 20% gross uh, growth income is expected the year after. So this is the wild, wild west. This is the time to be selling the pick and axes. This is the time to, time to be throwing down land and buying it in the esports world. Are you ready for that? Oh, let's see. What was there? There's the Overwatch League. And this is worthy of note because... If you're too busy to stay on top of this stuff, it might surprise you. The trajectory of Activision Blizzard's Overwatch League, which opened its second season last month, offers a compelling proof point. The Pro League expanded to 20 teams in the U.S., China, and Europe. Its owners, who owns these teams? None other than people like New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft. He owns the Boston franchise. The Denver Nuggets owner, Stan Kroenke, owns Los Angeles Gladiators. I know, esports leagues, right? The New York Mets chief operating officer, a guy named Fred Wilpon, he's heading up the New York team for the Overwatch League. So some big players in sports and media jumping in. Meg Whitman uh, is co-owner of the Atlanta team, formerly of HP Enterprises. So the Overwatch League final last year at Barclays Center, it sold out and it was televised on ESPN. I've watched some crazy stuff on ESPN, right? At one point in time, you're like watching uh, fishing shows. You're like, wow, why am I watching a fishing show? And you don't really get it. And this guy's a star celebrity fishing guy. And you're like, I just wasted 30 minutes of my life. One day, I want to quit what I'm doing now and become a writer for a fishing show. I've got some ideas on how to punch up the script. But elsewhere out there, um, the final sold out at Barclay Center. It was on ESPN. And I, like I said, we've, I've seen some pretty crazy stuff on ESPN. Have you watched, like, um, those little Red Bull airplanes race each other? And they're doing it, like, right in a downtown city, and they're, they're going under bridges, and you're like, this doesn't look safe. Maybe that's what we love about it. It's kind of like the whole MMA kind of thing as well, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's even crazier than boxing, a sport where people get into a ring and beat each other's heads. MMA is even crazier. So this shouldn't surprise you, um, what we're willing to watch. And, you know, ESPN needs the revenue, and they need to go where the eyeballs are. And if, if Barclay Center is selling out to a bunch of nerdy kids with pimples playing video games, ESPN would be a fool not to sell advertising into the demand for whatever they're watching or whatever they're playing. And for the record, I'm not calling video game players nerdy kids who are greasy and slimy and got pimples. I'm not saying that. Um... But let's just say the body odor of young men (laughs) all gathering at a sporting event. Not nice. This event brought to you by RightGuard. I always thought airlines should um, hand out RightGuard or some sort of deodorant. Doesn't that sound like a really good idea for a company who wants to get their deodorant well-known, pass it out? Then your flight's a little bit more pleasant. Anyhow, uh, college admission scandal is sparking a $500 billion lawsuit. Whoa, you've heard about it, Lori Lachlan. You've heard about it. People buying their way into college, rich kids. $500 billion civil lawsuit was filed in San Francisco after 45 defendants uh, basically say they've had emotional distress and they've been defrauded and they want rights to a fair chance at entrance into college. (laughs) This lawsuit's not going to get that far. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.